Hi, you're listening to Only Therapists in the Building, a podcast brought to you by Connect Counseling Center in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, here to demystify therapy and the people who do it for a living. meditation was with the intention of authenticity. So if you want to go raw, we can go raw. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess we'll just see where the magic yeah, takes us. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right. So welcome to Only Therapist in the Building, a podcast sponsored by Connect Counseling Center. Um, I am Jen Kastner, and I am here today with my co-host, Tommy. Hello. And unfortunately, our other co-host, Beck, is not with us today, but we have her here in spirit. But we do have a very special guest for you today. We have Audrey from our Clarksville office, and she's going to talk about all kinds of amazing and wonderful and glorious things. And I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you. You're already setting the standard high. I mean, yes. I feel like you're going to leap over that with no problem. But we can set it lower. She's going to talk about some, some stuff, Sediment. guys. I don't know. <laughs> Sedimentary, <laughs> uh, like uh, erosion. Today's about erosion. I was trying to make like, or I was in my head, I was like, I want to make some kind of pun with the word boulder. Like that's a bold statement. Like that's a boulder statement, but it didn't really fit. Whoa. So. <laughs> yeah. That was an immovable statement that you just had uh, right there. Oh, man. People take it for granted all the time. Yeah. <laughs> You rock. <laughs> we could go all day. Okay. <laughs> I can't. No. Igneous. Okay. Uh, so. Oh my gosh. So so then also and and this is kind of where we're headed to is we we'd love to know a little bit more you know of of your background just so the listeners can know too you know as we start talking about your expertise because mm-hmm. we're very interested in you know knowing more about that and how you use it in, in therapy and, and just help the folks. So something we do here is just origin story. And so we'd love to know kind of just a little bit about, about your background, as much as you want to share. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll start by saying that I was raised in California. I was born into a military family. My dad retired as an 05. He was a pilot. He still is a pilot. Mm. Um, but it it definitely set the stage for a privileged lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in high school, one thing that I found really interesting is I was amongst a lot of other privileged kids um, with so much to be grateful for. But then there were so many kids that were miserable in their privileged lifestyles. And I could never understand why there was so much like mental dysfunction, you know, and mm. it's on the outside. Everything looks great. You have a car, you have a beautiful home and you would take adventures all over the world. But yet there's still mm. depression that speaks so loud. Um, and so I became really fascinated by just reading Psychology 101 textbooks on positive psychology Um, I was one of those people that really struggled to feel happiness, even though I already had so much to be happy for. I still struggled to really feel it inside me. Um, So, you know, on the journey of 12th grade, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life and you have no idea, I took the direction of following in my mom's footsteps to be a teacher. Um, 
it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, something to my core said that I was supposed to do something different, maybe just as impactful, but not teaching. Um, so then I took my first uh, college course in psychology, fell in love with it, fell in love with the neuroscience piece of it, too. Um, and I switched my degree path and I figured that I don't know where I'm going with this. I just know that (laughs) my heart is saying to stay with psychology and to follow that path. And I took detours along the way. Um, I set my sights on becoming a mental health therapist. Um, but then with, you know, being a military family, my father, um, was PCS to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. So in my time in Cuba, I worked um, in I worked in the uh, Joint Task Force side of the base in Mm -hmm. the intelligence sector. Um, I won't go too deep into that and Mm -hmm. what that job entailed, but it was a form of psychology that I really found interest interesting. Um, And then once again, I'm on this beautiful island with a fascinating job. But I'm surrounded by so many people with, you know, toxic-like ways of thinking. And I remember those feelings of depression sinking in over time. You know, working with the government is a very heavy job. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I knew while I was very proud of the position that I was in, I knew it it wasn't meant for me. Um, I played with the idea of continuing on with the government and maybe becoming an intelligence officer or something like that so I could put my analytical brain to work. Um, but then I found yoga one day and I wanted to keep practicing yoga and I wanted to keep following that. And then after I left Guantanamo Bay, I ended up in North Carolina. I had graduated with my bachelor's degree in psychology Um, And then in North Carolina, I accepted a job doing brain and memory testing uh, under a neuropsychologist. And it was another path that I fell in love with. Mm. Um, And I became really inspired by the patients that I worked with when you would give them, when they would just experience a little bit of hope, Mm. you know, the hope to keep going or the hope for things to get better than what they are right now. I fell in love with that feeling. Um, And then my husband and I, we met in uh, Fort Bragg and um, we got married. We PCS'd here to Tennessee out of Fort Campbell. And um, I could not practice as a psychometrist in the state of Tennessee without a master's degree. So I figured, all right, well, I guess it's time to go back to school then. (laughs) So I ended up at Lipscomb University in Nashville Um, Started my internship with Connect, and I have spent a lot of my uh, therapeutic background focusing on kids and play therapy, but also with mindfulness and meditation and um, holistic healing. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. No, for real, quite the journey. For real, yeah. I didn't know half of that. So that was really cool. I'm full of surprises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like I did a disservice earlier. We didn't I didn't introduce the topic of today. So the topic of today is that holistic kind of health and holistic therapy and the positive psychology too. So as all of our listeners can see, Audrey is the perfect person to talk about all of that. But that is amazing. Right. Thank you. Well, and I like too that kind of your you know, kind of this idea cuz obviously you've reflected you know, on your life and restoried 
you know, mm-hmm. over and over and over. But I like that kind of thought of like, okay, step one, step two, step three, you know, kind of like I yeah. saw this, you know, saw what was around me and knew that that wasn't, you know, where I was. And, and again, mm-hmm. I kind of you kept doing that and you found this this new, you know, holistic yeah. you know, approach. Um, what about kind of, you know, just, just even to deepen that kind of questioning, but what about holistic? And I know maybe it started with yoga and maybe there's other things as well, but what about it? Like really was like, okay, this is, this is the neck. This is, this is for real, like yeah. something that has changed my life or is, is changing me. Um, I had this chill of peace one day when I was laying in Savasana, what, you know, most people know as corpse pose or dead man's pose. Um, it was a feeling of peace that I had never experienced before. You know, you are what you surround yourself with. And, um, I was for a long time, I was in very tense environments, very stressful environments. And I actually found yoga originally through P90X, um, the workout videos. <laughs> That's a throwback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, I wasn't a fan of it at first, actually, but for some reason I just kept showing up. I just knew that I needed to get my mind calmer than what it had been. And when I stepped into my first yoga class into a studio, I... Like I said, I was in Savasana, and there was just this complete, calm, peaceful feeling that I didn't want to let go of. Mm. And I knew that it was fleeting, so then I also knew that if I wanted to experience this again, I have to come back. I have to show up on my mat again. Mm. Mm. A discipline. I have to kind of keep with this yeah. discipline mm-hmm. in order to... Yeah. Yeah. Discipline, but then also moderation, mm. too, because you can't overdo it. Mm. You That's a o- really good point. You can overdo. How do you mean? Like, like with the yoga or with like just mm-hmm. in general? Yeah. Yeah. You ever notice that uh, therapists have this funny way of trying to take on all of the world's problems at once? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Does anybody feel attacked in this room? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> the same thing goes for when you're first introduced to a modality like yoga. You become, at least in my case, I became inspired by it. And I just, I was constantly like on Instagram and Pinterest of trying to see all these different postures and poses that I wanted to accomplish, but then also going hand in hand with that, that mental side, um, of feeling well. Um, but I had to take it little bits at a time and that mental, emotional sense of peace came in little bits at a time. When you get caught up in, I have to do this so that I can experience this, you will be disappointed. Because one thing I learned the most with yoga is there's a lot that you're not in control of. But there's a lot that you can focus on that you are in control of. Right. No, and I I totally agree with that. I know that um, for, you know... We, I think Jen and I were also going to kind of talk about some of the things that we start, started, you know, or maybe we thought was a little bit like woo-woo or not as, you know, we're like, I don't know how to relate to this. But um, but as you're discussing kind of this moderation uh, piece, it makes me think of, so I did, you know, I did a lot of religious stuff um, and ministry. And I remember kind of the spiritual disciplines, it being like this, this big, big deal to me, you know, you know, we had never really done meditation, you know, at my, in my churches or anything like that, or even, you know, I was kind of doing therapy as well, you know, I was kind of doing both training for both. And, um, I remember kind of finally feeling like that, that OCD 
piece of mm-hmm. like I almost had some kind of like you know real like black and white thinking of like if I don't do this then I'm not gonna have a good day mm-hmm. you know what I mean or uh, almost scrup- scrupulosity you know of like you know there that's kind of a religious OCD of like you know it, it, you can hurt yourself by doing so much. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely agree. And so mindfulness for me now, I think, I think that that's it almost, I almost had to shed it in order to kind of come back to it. Cause I think mindfulness for me now is, is much more, um, I, I guess it's, 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 I'm more present with it. Like it's kind mm-hmm. of like, sometimes it can happen. Sometimes it doesn't have to, right. or like sometimes I can be thinking about something or like, you know, having kind of like a positive, you know, thought or like really, you know, I want to, you know, I'd love my life to go like this or my family, yada, yada, yada. But uh, sometimes it's just like, like nothing, you yeah. know, it's just like, let me just, you know, let me just be here. Let me just, yeah. you know, rest and have healing. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that about mindfulness too. Like for me, when I first started in this field and started thinking about that, like it is so hard for me to be still physically and just as hard if not harder for me to be still in my mind so I think and clients come to us with this too I'm sure you guys have noticed like that kind of um, stereotypical like monk sitting on the ground cross-legged with their arms up going ohm over and over again like that's not me that was me this morning (laughs) good for you (laughs) I cannot do that and I don't know that I will ever be able to do that So finding mindfulness in different ways, like for me, it would be animal assisted therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be mindful and you have to be in the moment and you have to be intentional when using that modality along with other modalities, of course, too. Otherwise, like, you know, it could go a little sideways or like you're not getting everything out of it. So finding your mindfulness in different ways, going on walks, uh, mindful eating, just different things like that. It doesn't it doesn't have to be one way. Yeah. You you brought up a really good point. It's a matter of what puts you in tune with who you are. That's a really great way to word that. I'm going to use that. Mm. Yeah, tell <laughs> tell us more or tell us more about that like kind of in tune. In tune. Yeah. So I I think when you are in tune it goes back to what you value the most. Um, you, Jen, you brought up how mindfulness does look different for every person. You know, we're creatures of habit. And one of the biggest things I like to teach on is giving up that habit of movement. Because when you start to experience that stillness, you really start to see what is inside your mind, where your mind's going when you're idling. And then you also start to notice what happens in your body. And when you tune into that, you notice more about who you are and what you value, what you would like. You give yourself space to really contemplate who you want to be in this world. And Jen, like for you, animal-assisted therapy, you want to be that animal-assisted clinician inspiring both kids and adults to experience healing. I love that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And you're inspired by animals. Yes. You know, I mean, and I think that that's why it, it kind of has that circle, you know, cir- circular effect as well of like, mm. you are, you know, you are what you do as well, you know, and not, not completely, but it goes back to our last episode where we kind of said, you know, the energy, you know, you put into, but kind of this thought of, you know, what you put your energy into is kind of the path that you're going towards. You know, and so what I hear, you know, both of you saying is like, you know, I make these choices, which sometimes can be, you know, a leap of faith. It can be 
maybe difficult, but uh, oftentimes it also becomes a part of you, it becomes, you know, who you are, you know, it kind of starts to develop you as well, you know, and so it, ha- it possibly was part of your story, but it's also kind of this continuation, you know, of like, you know, now this thing is this kind of part of me in a different way. Right. And over time, you start to notice the refinement when you find what it is that speaks to you on that mindfulness level, you can you can explore it for its different avenues that it has. Like with animal assisted therapy, it doesn't stop with dogs, Mm -hmm. you know, and as you continue to take trainings and experience other forms of animal assisted therapy, you refine that practice and you make it stronger. And also it allows you to simplify it so that you can pass it on to somebody who might not be able to make sense of it right away. Right. Right. And I think that that was kind of my thought too. It's like, Stereotypically, you know, I mean, and maybe I'm making a a severe judgment, you know, but when I think of the South and yoga, you know, when you said Cali, you know, California, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. California, Uh sure, sure. Peace, Um, love, and happiness. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, you think of the South, and I know we have several yoga studios, and they all support us, and it's great. Um, No, but I know that we have folks here, you know, but, you know, kind of from your perspective, and, and, you know, I know you talk to a whole lot of people too. It's like, what's that intro then? I know what we're talking about. I know that there's this, this piece of like, well, it's gotta be what you need it to be, but then, yeah. But how can we kind of start to kind of, you know, teach or show or, or even give proof that this is something that's good for you. This is something that could be helpful. You learn to give up the habit of movement. Hmm. We're constantly fidgeting. And I think, When you come into a space or at least teach others to just sit and just notice, it's a non-judgmental practice. You can't judge it for good or for bad. You just notice what comes up when you are intentionally being still. Mm -hmm. That's where it starts. I wonder, as you're saying that, there's a part of my brain that's like, that's ridiculous. Like giving (laughs) that movement, like, okay. Right. What, from from a therapist perspective who uses this with your clients... How do you address that? Like, what do you say to someone who's like, okay? I point it out and I say, ah, resistance. <laughs> it speaks so clearly. Why are we resisting? I just ask the question, what, what are we resisting here? And sometimes clients don't know what they're resisting. So then that's when I encourage them to try it again. Because eventually the, the resistance will have to break. Eventually the resistance will have to learn something. If you just give yourself those few moments, it doesn't even have to be, you know, 10 minute, 20 minute meditation. Some you're talking about the monks earlier, Jen, that monks will have a, a reputation of sitting in silence for hours. I think that's we talk about moderation, stepping into it. Just give yourself one to two minutes a day or even those clients that struggle with applying it in between sessions. We will spend one to two minutes in stillness, either at the beginning of session or towards the end, just depending on what the session calls for. But eventually, as they keep trying it, they learn something new about themselves. Right. Does that hold true for like all ages, like kids, adults? Mm -hmm. Does it look different in kids and adults? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I would say this because some kids find their mindfulness in Star Wars. So (laughs) if I have a child come in and they want to, and I... And they're very hyperactive, and I try to center them. 
I have to connect with them on some level that would make sense to them. And that could be through Star Wars. It could be through a Disney, a Disney movie. Um, for example, Moana, you know, tuning into Moana when she is, when she's being pulled into a direction, you know, to go towards the ocean, you notice there's, there's stillness before she makes a move. And so I can use that as a gateway with kids of, you notice how Moana was really still right before she started running towards the ocean? See if you can match that. That's really cool. Yeah. What's in the stillness? You. You are in the stillness. Mm. Hmm. I like that. That is really nice. It makes me think of the, you know, kind of the silence piece. I know I'm, I am not going to... Uh, be a pastor right now. Um, but it makes it, I mean, it, there is, it's probably one of my favorite stories, um, from the Bible, but it is, it is kind of that, you know, where is the holy or where's the power, you know, and it's, it's not, not in the wind, not in the fire, not in the tornado. Yeah. It's in the silence. Mm-hmm. It's in the stillness. Yeah. We're taught that as therapists too, right? Like silence is an intervention in itself. So allowing our clients to sit in those uncomfortable moments, like they find that power, they find that comfort or strength or whatever it is that mm-hmm. they need. So right. yeah, to really point that out and and say, you know, this this is the thing. That's right. really cool. Well, and, and, you know, as a parent, as a, you know, and I have two small kids and um, makes me think of... Um, when, you know, my oldest one, when he, he's having a tough time, if I just continue to either yell or, or you know, um, put stimuli in front of him or mm-hmm. food or anything, mm-hmm. it's all like, you know, he might throw it. He might, you know, continue to yell. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening and helping is exactly what we're talking about. It's like, so we know it, that it works with, you know, certain, you know, whether it's animals or, or kiddos, but right. we forget as adults, right? Right. We're kind of like, no, I have to <laughs> always be on my phone. Right. Yeah. No, I always have to. Well, I even think about it with like, um, you know, that's where some, some of our addictions come in too, right? Yeah. I got to have something in me. Right. It makes me think of hustle culture. And we always have to be doing and um, growing and achieving and what's the next greatest thing. Like we don't celebrate, we don't celebrate what we have achieved because we're too busy looking at the next one. Right. 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 So then, so then kind of the, the building block that you like to offer people is this stillness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And non-judgment too. Yeah. It doesn't have to be good or bad. It can be what it is for right now. Yeah. Yeah. But those are those are like these simple but not easy right kind right. of concepts. Yeah. It's like uh, you know, yeah. kind of try not, you know, kind of these Yoda things that you're you're throwing at people as well. And mm-hmm. so it sounds like because you're looking at me with like a smile and like a smirk and you're like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and because you might be kind of like giving you're like I'm giving you as much time as you need with this but this is where we're headed Mm -hmm. this is and there's a hope that comes with this yeah Yeah. and sorry no you go first oh I was just gonna say meditation was definitely one of those things that are I thought was one of those 
voodoo, yeah, airy fairy things. I would hear about these Buddhist monks that would sit in silence for hours and just be totally fulfilled with their lives. Um, I didn't believe it at first. I definitely had that resistance. I was 18 years old when I was first introduced to meditation by one of my best friends. And uh, when I finally learned that it's the key is in the stillness is when the practice started to take off for me. But Mm. I had to keep showing up. Right. Right. But I like your second. I mean, I almost I well, and I I know it. The stillness is is so key, but I liked the second, the non-judgment yeah. piece so much too, because it makes me think of one of, I talk about self-compassion so much now mm-hmm. in my, you know, we learn all these models, you know, in school, all these different, mm-hmm. you know, therapy techniques. But for me, it kind of comes back to, you know, how, okay, so what kind of love or what kind of, you know, resource or, or you know, action would you give somebody that you love? Why don't you give it to yourself? You know, that that to me was like, oh, you know, when you hear these things for the first time and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. But mm-hmm. but the non-judgment piece of like, you know, you are where you're at. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to uh, sink or swim. Right. You literally have to just kind of be here right now. Right. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I think I don't think that that's. You know, hustle culture, sure, I think, but even just our political landscape, I Mm -hmm. think, uh, religion. I mean, I just think that's not, that's not most people's reality. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious. So like in, in wake or in light of everything that we talked about. So for the breakdown today, I wanted to talk a little bit about like the outcomes, like what the research shows us, what we've seen in our own practice. So I would like to combine the breakdown, Audrey, with like your experience and what you've seen. So as people engage in this practice, um, as people are mindful and noticing, what what changes do you see? What changes can people expect if they really commit to this? The biggest change that I've seen with clients is learning where to let go. A lot of mental dysfunction comes from holding on to things that aren't meant to be held on to, trying to keep control of something that is meant to be let go of. And there's different techniques that you can use with mindfulness meditations. And one of my favorites is you envision, you close your eyes and envision that you're on a beach and you see four boats. One boat is labeled the past. Another boat's labeled the present. Another boat is labeled the future, and then another boat is labeled fabrication. And what I prompt clients to do is to, when they have a thought come up during their stillness, put a thought where it belongs. Is that something that happened in the past? Is this a present moment issue or something to be grateful for? Is this a future plan? Or is this a fabricated thought that you see oftentimes with like cognitive distortions, catastrophizing? And then after doing that tech, after giving them space to practice with it, I ask them to choose a boat that they want to let go of and send off into the horizon. Ten out of ten times, it has been the fabricated boat. Mm -hmm. There was a client that I worked with when they had released their fabricated boat out into the water. They were just flooded with tears. And that emotional expression was so meaningful to her because of the way that you could see the way her body was letting go of what she had been holding on to. Mm. That's so amazing. 
Like Very I'm kind chilling. of like, yeah. And I'm imagining kind of that scenario in my head too, like thinking about my boats and just like how powerful that would be mm-hmm. to not to necessarily put a label on things, but to have a place for things to go. That is non-judgmental or or whatever. Mm. That's amazing. So you've kind of shared some, I want to say short-term kind of things, things that we can see somewhat immediately. Can you share any like long-term effects? Like long-term what effects. what does this look like in the future? Yeah. Well, uh, really to start on a scientific level, I do a lot of reading on the research of mindfulness and meditation and I've learned that it helps to improve the gray and white matter in your brain, more specifically in your frontal lobe, which is, you know, responsible for your decision making, your executive functioning. Um, long-term benefits research has shown and I've seen in myself and other people is that you become more in tune. You become better at making decisions for yourself and for the people around you. Um, You become more self-guided in a that comes from a place of within rather than having everybody else tell you where you should be. So boosting confidence too. That's a big one. A lot of clients come in, they really lack the self-confidence. And meditation over time, I have seen, really helps with becoming confident in those visions and decision-making. So I love that you brought, I want to kind of take those, those felt like two things to me. Yeah. So I kind of want to take those two things separately. So one, I love that you brought, brought the brain, kind of the neuropsych part into this, because I love that research. I love the fact that we can do something that is simple, not easy, but simple, that will literally change our brain, mm. right. grows gray and white matter, grows connection, mm-hmm. um, decreases those connections that look at negatives, that look at fabrications, as you call them. Right. Um, like we we can make a physical change mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with mental effort. And I flippin' love that. Yes. <laughs> Creating those new neural pathways that yes. reinforce those neutral or positive behaviors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I find that with clients, like they really attach to that um, because we're telling them like I can take an MRI maybe of your brain and -hmm. like I can see the change. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if we were to do that and if we were to practice that. And I mean, I'm definitely in this camp of like if I can see tangible change, Mm -hmm. like that's going to motivate me a heck of a lot more. Mm -hmm. Right. So I love that you brought that into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also love the other part of it, that increasing self-confidence. It sounds like increasing... um, just awareness of who you are and what you want and what you stand for. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what clients want most of the time when they come to us. They want to be sure in who they are. They want to be sure in what they do um, and how to set boundaries with other people and be confident in that. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just all do mindfulness and forget everything else. <laughs> all right. We'll take silence for the next 20 minutes. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but you should as a listener. Yes. Um, I think, you know, too, as we're kind of wrapping up today and just – Thank you so much. I don't know if you, I'm I'm sure you did, but I'm going to call it out. I definitely felt very calm today. Oh yeah, the more with we're Audrey talking. being here, I think she possesses, you know, that that calm spirit, which I do know comes from the disciplines and from the, mm-hmm. you know, what you do over time. Um, 
but also that you you as you as listeners don't know, but she's also she doesn't fidget. And she is intentional <laughs> and she is looking straight at you and and it's great. And it and it does. It brings you know, bring, brings me down. I'm able to calm down as well. Um I think about with clients kind of what we're talking about. I think this idea of like reducing stress, reducing anxiety and kind of leading towards you know, I also think of it as more of an organization as well. You know, all of my clients, I'm a broken record on so many different things. Mm -hmm. One of those is is journaling, you know, Mm -hmm. and the reason why I work with all sorts of anxiety, all sorts of trauma and addiction. And the reason why is because I feel like it is a um, tangible way of seeing mindfulness. Um, It is... A written prayer, if you will, and it's you know not always that, but it's something that you know. Here's here's where I'm at. Here's all the stuff in between my ears. Okay, once mm-hmm. I've done that, now what can I do? I can be still. I can be mindful. Mm-hmm. Some people also like to kind of add movement to it, you know. And so, I think that self care does have to have what we're talking about here, you know, which is a detachment, you know, but that. Now I'm going to use this, and I don't know if this is real. I just I'm just throwing out words and trying, hoping <laughs> hoping that they're real, right? Um, but I think that then you know, that's why I, I loved kind of that non non judgment piece because I feel like then that's the love, right? right? I feel like it's like I need to detach so I can love, right? You know that I don't want, you know, I don't want to have to like continue for all these things to just like berate me and like hurt me and. And they don't have to because I, I do have this right. this real tool at my fingertips. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, Audrey, can you share with us, like, mm-hmm. if our listeners are curious in mindfulness or, like, how to start this practice, what do you suggest they do? Where do they go? Uh, find a safe space. You can you can apply it anywhere in this world. Um it could be on your bedroom floor if that's what you're comfortable with, on your office floor. Um, it could be at a park. Like I had mentioned before, just find stillness. And don't overdo it. Give it two minutes and just see where your mind goes. Over time, I what I wish I would have said earlier is over time you'll notice that your mind becomes a listening mind. And that's when that detachment comes into play is you just notice that. And you can go with it. You can choose to go with it and get and and explore the the mind for where it's going, or you can come back to a center point on the beach with those boats in front of you. Mm. Right. Well, thank you so much. I, I've I've you know I val- have valued this a lot too. Absolutely, I mean, yes. I'm going to go home yeah. and be like, I'm going to change my life. <laughs> yeah. We'll report back next yeah, podcast we'll on how that went. Yeah. We'll have to have you back and, and do a part two, a follow up. Um, but yeah. thank you so much for being here and, and you know taking the drive out here. And of course, thank you for having me. Yeah, we we appreciate it. But well, thank you, listeners, for being here today. Um, we yeah, maybe that's your challenge. You know, challenge to kind of be still and. Ooh, I and, like adding and, challenges. To you the you like that? Yeah, yeah. be like still that. and um, and then also kind of have a non judgmental you know, air about you as well. Maybe that's your, your challenge for today. Um, 
And then journal, because everybody needs to journal. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh-huh. Just kidding. All right, over and out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us and Connect Counseling Center on our website, connectcounselingcenter.com. This podcast is for informational and psychoeducational purposes only. If you are experiencing any kind of emergency, please call 911, go to your nearest ER, or call the helpline at 988.